0: Man, the new year is upon us. It's here. Some of you folks I hadn't seen since last year. It sounds like a long time. It really hadn't been but a few days. But you know, 2020 was a challenging year for many of us. I know that. And last Sunday I preached and, 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 and we were talking about stewardship and I, I told you that, yeah, 2020 was a bad year uh, in a lot of ways, but it was one of the best years I'd ever had. And I think what that... I want to elaborate on that a little more today. The, the time that we have is what we make of it. We need to learn to be content in whatever situation we find ourselves in, as the Apostle Paul said. And, and how many want 2021 to be a better year than 2020 was? Amen, everybody should be voting for that. We all would like to see 2021 be a great new year. And I believe the Lord confirmed that with His message this morning. He's doing a new thing, and I believe the Lord is going to pour revival out through this land. It's going to spring up among the faithful. If we're found faithful, if we're digging in with God, I believe that revival is going to begin to spring out in small pockets. I think it's going to start in the various local churches where people have a hunger for God. And I pray that each and every one of you will join us in this fast that we Ask everyone in the church to do as much as possible starting tomorrow for the next 21 days. <clears throat> if you would fast something ever how you want to do it. Connie and I are doing the Daniel fast and, and that is a sacrifice for me because I love meat and I'm not going to eat meat for 21 days and I'm not going to eat bread, and sweets. And, and, and as I do that and as my flesh begins to be pushed down and my spirit, man, I spend more time in prayer As my spirit man rises up, I'm believing that God is going to move in my life and and gonna give me the the clarity and the vision. And hopefully he'll I'm asking that he help my memory so I don't keep forgetting to ask to take up the offering. Sometimes when I'm taking prayer requests, I don't always I I I jumble my notes and sometimes I forget certain things. I'm asking God to help me. I think that's I think that's called part-timers. I got part-timers. And it's because I'm, my mind sometimes gets a little cloudy. So I'm praying for God to give me clarity this next year. Open your Bibles, if you will. Oh, don't forget the business meeting. We, we added that. It's going to be January 31st. Uh, we're supposed to give you two weeks notice. We see no harm in giving you three or four weeks. So we're going to have the business meeting January 31st, evening service, 6 o'clock. Please come and be a part of that. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and
1: verse 17. Did I have it wrong on mine, Caleb? It could have been me. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone
0: is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. Father, I thank you for the message that you've given me this week to share with the people. Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for Your Word that says we are new creations. Lord, I pray that in 2021, as we seek to be the kind of church that You want us to be, Father God, that You use each one of us, new creations in You, to do those new things that You just confirmed this morning. Father God, I thank You for it, and I thank You for confirming the message this morning. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen and Amen.
0: What a great Scripture to reflect upon as we move into the new year. We are new creations in Christ. We got a new year coming. It's almost like a fresh start, if you will. You know, every year people, uh, at the start of a new year, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. How many have ever made New Year's resolutions? Oh wow! None of y'all ever made a New Year resolution. Only the pastor and and one honest. Okay, there's a few more of you raising your hands. All right, how many of you ever broke your New Year's resolutions? Okay, you know that's the way it goes. People every year this time of year they they begin on January 1st to implement their New Year's resolutions, and by the end of January, most people have have uh, already stopped them. I want to share with you. The top 10 New Year's resolutions people make. See if this sounds familiar. Some of y'all, including me, probably have made some of these resolutions. Number one resolution that people make is to lose weight. That's because all the eating we do at Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Number two, they want to manage debt or save money more. Number three, get physically fit. Number four, eat healthy. Number five, learn something new. Number six, drink less alcohol. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, reduce stress. Number nine, take a trip somewhere. Number ten, volunteer to help others. That should probably be number one. Volunteer to help others instead of ten. And while those are admirable things to, to, to make resolution, to, to, to do those things, the sad thing is uh, most people, four out of five people statistics say by the end of January, have already broken those New Year's resolutions. People run out and join gyms. And by by a couple of months, by at least, sometimes that'll last a couple of months. And then they're paying that gym membership that they're not using. By the end of January, four out of five people will break their resolutions. And while I tell you that it's good to change, and it's good to Seek to do better in the new year. We don't need to make resolutions that most of us won't keep anyway. I believe that we need to have a change take place within each and every one of us. It's more than just making a promise, making an attempt, but we need to have a revolution happen within our spirits. We need to make a determination that we're going to move forward and serve God to the utmost of our ability. And I'm going to get back to those resolutions toward the end of my message, but those resolutions have to do with part of my message this morning. Those top ten resolutions that people make, people could keep those if they would get one point of what I'm going to preach on today in their systems. We need to become radical about the way we live for God. We need to start a revolution for God, or a revival for God. Revolution, in the Christian terms, we call that a revival. And the revival, believe it or not, it's not. J- a lot of people mistakenly say that revival is for the lost. Yes, lost people get saved during the revival, but the revival is to wake up, revive, revitalize, re-energize the church, those who already know God. And if we could get that, I know that most of you—I uh, would—I would say the vast majority of us. I hope all of you have already made that commitment and have already become that new creature in Christ that the opening scripture preaches about. But I would hope that each and every one of you, if you—if you listen to what God just said, God gave us a message this morning. He said He's doing a new thing. He it goes. It confirmed what I wanted to preach about today. Moving forward into 2021. We need to do a new thing for God. We need to get past just going to church, going through the motions. We need to get past just, just superficially going through, uh, uh, I don't want to call it playing church, but folks, God is, is fixing to send Jesus Christ back to get the church. God is fixing to, and, and right behind getting His church and taking us into eternity, He's, He's going He's to be right behind that at the end of the seven year tribulation. He's going to be judging the world. And there's a lot of people out there that aren't ready to face God's judgment. There's a lot of people out there that are so far from God. And we the church have been tasked with that mission of getting that Word out to these people. Oh, I pray that that as as we go through this fast and as we dig in deeper with God, I pray that God stirs within each and every one of our spirits the need to be spreading His Word, to be reaching out to this lost world. Guys, we see the signs of the times, and and I'm going to be preaching over that some this year. Uh, The end is very close. We know it's very close. And yeah, some of us say we've been hearing that our whole lives. It's even closer now because some of us are old. A lot of years have passed. It's 50 years older. I can remember sermons back when I was 7 years old. I remember laying under the church pews and hearing the preachers talk about Jesus is coming back any day. And I see all the stuff that I've seen in my lifetime in the past 50 years since I was 7 years old laying under that church pew. I've seen all these changes. I've seen uh, even more wars come. We had two major world wars before I was even born. Israel become a nation. There's even been more wars. I believe we've already had the dry rehearsal for the battle of Armageddon with that Gulf War. And I was in the military during that time and it was a, it was a scary time to see virtually every nation crowded around Israel. Like it says, it will happen in the end times. They're all going to be there around Israel. In that area. Folks, God's getting ready to come back and the church needs to be getting ready. I'm not just talking to people that's in this congregation as Caleb puts this podcast out later today and, and people that are going to hear this message. The church needs to wake up. And the church is anyone that claims Jesus Christ as their Lord and the Savior. They're part of the church. The universal church needs to wake up and get about God's business. So I believe that new thing that God's going to do this year, I believe revival's going to break out In various parts of the world. Remember the great revival is supposed to be one of the signs of the end of the times. Before Jesus comes back, the great revival. It's already started in parts of the world. I believe here in America, it's going to happen this year. I believe we're going to see it. It's already started. There was 200 people got saved in a a revival down there in Georgia. Uh, The revival that we're going to have right here in town with True Vine Ministries starting tomorrow night. I believe we're going to see a lot coming through that.
1: As we move into this year,
0: I want to give you three ways to make 2021 truly a great year. Number one, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Number one, we need to take inventory of our past and we need to put the past behind us. If we can move in to 2021 with optimism, and if we want to be what we Got to be. Some of us, we got to deal with some things in our past.
1: Starting in verse 12 of chapter
0: 3 of Philippians, it says, it's the Apostle Paul talking. Now that I have already obtained this, not that I have already obtained this, or I am perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, think this way. And if anything you think other anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, what Paul is doing is he's reflecting on his life. He's taking inventory. He's looking and he's saying, you know, I hadn't fully arrived, but I'm not what I used to be. He's already had his Damascus Road experience. God has already... Uh, knocked him down, got his attention, took all of his Bible learning that he had prior to having his attitude adjusted through, through the power of Jesus Christ. Paul was a great scholar in the Word. As you know, he wrote most of the New Testament. But at this point, as he's sharing with the, with the folks, he's saying that we've, we've got to keep moving forward. I have not arrived. I, the Apostle Paul, have not arrived. And he, by this time, he, he, he's well known He's preached the message. He's he's had that conversion. He's he's had much time in the Word. Um, He already was a Bible scholar. But he didn't have the right attitude about it. Because he was very zealous in what he was doing. He thought he was doing God's will by destroying the Christians. Because initially the Jewish people thought the Christian people were heretics. They thought that they were way off base. They didn't understand. They had not accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah and people of the new way. Paul, in his own mind, before his conversion experience, thought he was doing right. Even if you remember in the book of Acts, it says he sat there and held their coats when they threw the stones on Stephen. The apostle Paul had been an evil way, And he's saying even now, he's been, yes, he's been converted. Yes, he's done a lot of great things for the Lord already at this point as he writes this. But he says, I have not fully arrived. I have not reached perfection yet. Later on in 2 Timothy, he gets to the point he realizes he's finished his course. When he writes 2 Timothy, he realizes at that point, as he takes inventory of his life, that, that he's pretty much finished what God's given him to do, and he knew it was about his time to go. But at this point in his life, he's taking inventory. He's looking at what he's been through and he's saying, you know, I'm not fully there, but, he, but I believe in his mind, he's saying, thank God, that I've received the truth of Jesus Christ. I believe He's saying, thank God that I'm not what I was. And I, I'm that way a lot of times. Have I fully arrived? No, I'm still striving for the prize. I'm still striving for the Lord to work His, His greater and greater things through me. I'm still striving to serve God more and to be closer to God. We all should be at that point where we're moving forward. We can't live in the past. How many of you think you can change your past? You can't change it. You might can heal some things, But you can't change what's already happened. You can't go back and change anything that's happened. But you've got to, uh, you know, this time of year, business owners. And this year was a rough year for a lot of retailers. A lot of of small stores, in-shopping stores, had a rough year. People people wore out Amazon. People wore out mail-order shopping. I was guilty of it. I didn't set foot in the store, but one time I think it was most of y'all do your online shopping this year. I'm seeing somebody relating to what I went through. But a lot of these stores, at this point, they're taking inventory and they're looking at what went well. And they're taking uh, a careful assessment saying, wow, what can we do better? Of course, we're all hoping that, that this next year, this, this virus subsides and we get back to some sort of sense of normal. I don't think we'll ever be the same again. There's a lot of people that didn't make it through this storm. There's a lot of businesses had to close during this storm. But they take inventory of their past to figure out how to do better in the future. And some of these companies did a lot more mail order. Even Walmart and a lot of the bigger companies were even doing more mail order business each year. They begin to change. They begin to realize with change, well, the title of my message was. Let's make it a great year. And the the opening Scripture the Lord gave me was us remembering that we're new creations. And then God gave a message in tongues with an interpretation. that said He wants to do a new thing. We did not have that plan, did we, Amy? That was from God, okay? When I realized that message and it started flowing, I didn't know what to say. Anyone ever give an interpretation of tongues? Anyone ever do that? When it comes, usually you get the first couple of words, and then they just come out, and you're hearing them as you're speaking them. That's been my experience as as God has exercised interpretation for me. God wants to do a new thing. We got to look at the past, see what went well, see what didn't go well. Sometimes we make mistakes. If we learn from what didn't go well, something that turned out bad, and we can learn how to correct that past and learn from those mistakes and try to do better. My mother used to, used to try to get me to learn from her mistakes. She would tell me, oh, please don't do that. I did it and it was bad. Well, some things I was able to learn from her mistakes. Many others I had to make my own mistakes. The key is is to learn from them. Learn from your past. The Apostle Paul learned that he was wrong as he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. He realized he was wrong for persecuting the Christians prior to meeting Jesus Christ for Himself one-on-one. And for the Christian, that's really where our new creation begins. When we find Jesus Christ... When we turn our lives over to Him, when we let Him begin to do His work in us and begin to change us and mold us into what He wants us to be, that is when that new work. But we got to put our past behind us. I'm sure some of you did some things before you met the Lord that you don't do no more. I'm sure some of you uh, don't talk the way you used to talk, or maybe I'm just speaking to me. But I'm sure some of you, as Jesus Christ changed you and began to draw you closer to Him, and begin to show you how to be more. And as you took inventory, you've learned over the years to put things behind you. I don't do things I used to do. I don't worry about things I used to worry about. I don't let situations and problems in my past haunt me. I've learned from my mistakes. Some of us, we may say, okay, I've put my past behind me. I'm no longer doing those things. But have you made peace with your past? And that's step number two. Besides putting our past behind us, we've got to make peace sometimes with that past. To flip over to Ephesians uh, chapter 4.
1: Starting in verse 31 of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Making peace with your past.
0: Here's one of the best ways you can do that. And again, this is advice of the Apostle Paul. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Before we can begin this new year effectively, we got to make sure we've totally dealt with our past. Sometimes there's things in our past, some of us have been through things that have caused us great pain, and it may not even be just in the past year. It may have been something that happened to us when we were a small child, or it may have been something that happened to us with a coworker. Something in your past, if something in your past, when you think about that memory, it still hurts, And you hadn't dealt with it yet. If you have memories of past and Christmas and New Year's, a lot of times people think about the past. I know uh, at times at Christmas we think about Christmases of times gone by. Not every Christmas I had was a pleasant Christmas. But the ones that weren't so pleasant, like the year that both my brothers went to jail, that was not a pleasant Christmas. That was bad. Because there was anger and fighting among my two brothers and they both ended up in jail that was not a pleasant memory. And it caused me pain until I dealt with it. I, I kept looking back. Was there something I could have done to have been a better peacekeeper? And I did all I could do. But they were, they were not godly brothers at that time. And they, and they had that. That was a bad memory. But I've dealt with that memory. And I've put that behind me. I don't let it haunt me anymore. I've got memories of my childhood that if I would let them, they could cause pain. But I've dealt with them. And, I, and I've... Forgiven some people, that caused me some hurt. I had a great deal of pain with my father, my dad. But I let God deal with that. I effectively put it away. I forgave my dad. And then there was even some stuff I had to forgive myself over. And some of you know what I'm talking about, because some of y'all went through the same thing. Some of you have people in your life that have hurt you and hurt you deeply. And you've learned to forgive them. But some of you, I believe, within my earshot today, when you think about things in your past, you've got some hard feelings against some people. You've got some people maybe you need to forgive. Or better yet, you may be thinking of some times when you weren't exactly Christ-like in your actions, and you may need to ask some people to forgive you. If we're going to move forward into the new year, if we're going to press on, toward the mark with Christ in each one of our lives and grow spiritually, we've got to make sure that we make peace with our past. Some of us got some peace making we need to do with things that have happened a ways back. Some of us, it may be more recent. But we've got to not only take inventory and put the past behind us, we've got to make peace with that past so it don't keep coming back. Because you know how Satan is. Satan's going to bring up things from your past for the rest of your life and try to torment you with that and cause you pain and cause you to stumble until you deal with that thing and make peace with it. Come on now, this is good preaching. This is, this is good stuff because some of us know that, that, that this applies to us. And I, and I know for years I had things in my heart. I just, there were some things I just didn't want to let go of. And I was so silly because it was holding me up and holding me back. Spiritually. But I'm going to be honest with you now. There ain't much happens. Because I don't want any more scars. I don't want any more things in my past that i got to make peace with. I try to live in peace with all people as the Word says now. I try to quickly be quick to forgive. And quick to forget. And quick to make peace with my past. That hand clap is now in the past. I apologize if I offended anybody with that hand clap. I just need to make peace. I don't want to think that that, that Angie's offended because I hurt her ears with that clap. You see what I mean? I mean, that's a ridiculous example I just did. But sometimes things happen, and rather than deal with it and let it go and do whatever we need to do, either forgive or ask to be forgiven, it sits there and it festers. And if we never deal with that thing, it it
1: just stays there. Folks, we've
0: got to make peace with our past. We're not going to be able to move into our future if we can't make peace with our past. We need to let some things go. We need to forgive and forget. And if you truly forgive someone, you can forget. Or, if the memory comes back, you've made peace with it,
1: and it don't hurt no more. I know
0: we've had, some of us have had troubled relationships. We've had friendships and marriages and, and different things that, that have went bad and people have hurt us. we got to let that stuff go. we got to deal with it. Move on. Don't just keep, keep dwelling on it. Sometimes, though, it's like a game we play. We've got this thing, and it's like we get some kind of sick pleasure out of having hard feelings, are ought against someone. And I don't know how to explain how the human mind works, but even as Christians sometimes, knowing we're supposed to love all people, forgive and forget, sometimes we'll hang on to stuff, and there are certain people that will hold in that careful place. When we think of them, we get all tense inside or whatever. We haven't dealt with that. we got to let that go. we got to forgive them, forget it, drop it once and for all, move on. Get past your pain. In order to get past your pain, you've got to make peace with it. And sometimes, that just means giving it all to God. Sometimes, it, you can't do it on your own. Sometimes, it means spending some time on your knees before the Lord saying, God, I can't deal with this any longer. I, you know, Lord, how I feel about this situation. You know the pain that this is causing me. Lord, I can't deal with it. Please take it out of my hands. And you lay it down on your altar, wherever your altar's at, whether at a church or your bedside or at the kitchen table or wherever you do, you're talking to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to let go of this. I want to make peace with this because I'm tired of it coming back to haunt me. I'm tired of the pain that it's causing me. Some of us got some that's rooted deep. The Lord showed me there's some of us that have got some pain that's been there several years. And we hadn't truly dealt with it. we got to make peace with our past. If we want to move into 2021 and we want to move in this new thing that God's promised to do, we've got to let go of our past and we've got to make peace with our past. Amen. I'm talking to somebody. It's awful quiet out there. You guys are still with me, right? I'm I'm almost done. I'm I'm going to finish up here. The third thing that we've got to do after we give God all that pain and let Him deal with it. I'm going to hit on stewardship again. I know I just preached a whole message on this last week. But this is the third thing. Besides putting the past behind us and making peace with our past, we've got to improve our stewardship and do better and work with God. Stewardship is simply working with God and taking care of all the things that God has given us to to take care of. And last week I talked about us realizing that God owns everything, God created everything. I want to read with you a, a couple of sets of scriptures here, and then I just want to want to share my heart with you on stewardship a little bit. First, or Second Corinthians, chapter nine, verse six through fifteen. If we want to move forward and have a great new year, this is the important part. Besides dealing with our past and making peace with our past, we got to become better stewards of our present and our futures. And here's how we do it. These scriptures hit it on the head. But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall, also, shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown, and increase your to your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth us through thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service, not only supplied the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God, while by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for this Unspeakable gift. If we become that cheerful giver, if we become, if we get to that point where last week's sermon, to piggyback on that, we realize that everything we have belongs to God anyway. If we realize that everything that we have was God's, Malachi uh, 3 8 through 12 says, Will a man rob God? Yet he robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, God's answer is, You are cursed with the cursed. A curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all, ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in mine house, and prove me Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the window of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that shall not be room enough to receive it. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and He shall not destroy the fruits of the ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm not preaching because we need your money. I'm preaching on tithing. I'm preaching on giving. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind you about other areas of stewardship because you need to tithe More than God needs your tithe. You need to be faithful to God in your giving and and it says put it in your storehouse. That's your church or that's your place of worship. And you can give gifts other places and help other places. We talked about stewardship for giving and helping people uh, last week. It's beyond tithing. But it says if you're tithing and if you're giving, God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Part of the, you can tell, and we're not supposed to be fruit inspectors, but if you see people that seem to be struggling, it may be as simple as they're not current in their tithing. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't go around looking and saying, oh, Tim Dublin's going through a rough time. He must, he must be shorting God on his money. I don't say that. But I'm saying if you're struggling, take a look at your money. Are you being faithful in the way you steward God's money? Money's talked about all through the Bible. And it's not that we need your money, but you need to be tithing to God so you can have God's blessing. You can have His protection. When you give that tithe, He says He will rebuke the devourer. In other words, He stands in the gap and He puts that hedge of protection around you and protects you from from the enemy. Because you know the enemy's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's wanting to destroy every one of us. When we're faithful to God and we're good stewards and we're faithful in our giving, God is going to protect us. And if we realize that it's all God's anyway, if we've got that attitude, because you ain't taking none of it with you, and your kids or grandkids are just going to blow it, they're just going to spend it on foolish things. Be a good sturdy man. I'm not saying give away everything you have. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God minds you having nice things, because He don't. He don't want the nice things to have you. But you got to be faithful in giving God His part. And as a minimum, that's a tenth of everything you get. That's what the word says. A tithe means a tenth. So everything you make. Praise God, the churches everywhere are in good shape. They're rolling out to $600 a person. That's 60 bucks a person in in extra tithe to the churches, right? I got mine. I'll be putting it in next week. It, It was incoming. So next week, Connie and I, we'll put an extra $120 into the church. If everyone is faithful in their tithing, all the church, think of the blessings that's going to be to all the churches. The more that you're faithful in what gives you, guess what God begins to do. And I'm not preaching on prosperity, guys. I'm not. I'm just telling you this works. The more you give to God, the more you're faithful, the more He continues to give you, it even says He will give you more that, that it will run over. You won't be able to contain the blessings that God's going to give you if you're faithful in your stewardship and in your giving of what God gives you. Because if He knows, hey, this guy gives a ten, And this guy over here, he's so crazy. He gives 20. He's so radical about His giving. He's, he's, he's tested you, Lord. He lives on about 75% of what He makes because He gives 20-25% of what He makes away. So God's going to keep blessing that person that God can trust to help others with what God's given him. And again, I'm not preaching prosperity. It works though. It's in the Bible. There are are even non-Christian businessmen who give to worthy charitable causes because they've seen this proven time and time again. They're faithful to give to some of the the better known national causes like St. Jude's Hospital and things like that. Because they know it works. If you want your year to go well, try getting back on track. Or if you are on track, try doing a little more. If you're that person I talked about that's learned to live on 85%, maybe you're giving 10% tithe and you give another 5% to other worthwhile causes doing the work of the Lord. Or maybe you give... 20. Just go up 1% in your giving this year. Whatever. I'm not saying you have to give it to your church, but give it somewhere. In doing God's work. And, and God's work is loving on people, right? Showing compassion for lost. Just try stretching yourself a little more this year and see if God don't bless you even more. And again, I'm not trying to brag, but Connie and I, we live on about 75% of our income because we've learned that we can't outgive God. And God meets our needs and He even meets a lot of our wants. Sometimes we get nice things that we just want. And as long as those things don't have us, God blesses us with those things. But the more you lean forward and you realize that it's not your stuff, that you're just being a good steward and you're sharing what God has blessed you with to do God's work in loving your neighbor as yourself and trying to get the gospel spread and trying to reach out to the hurting. You're spending your money to, 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 to help people that are hungry and to help people that are, that are sick or they're going through rough times, they just need a hand up. It's easy to have that kind of attitude when you begin to realize that everything you've got, God gave you anyway. It's all from Him. It's all His. I ain't taking it with me anyway. And if you give it to your grandkids or your kids, they're just going to blow it anyway. So you might as well use it for, as much as possible for the Lord's work as you go. If you want to leave a big inheritance, buy some extra life insurance. But what you got to work with right now that you because you can't steward your life insurance. You can you can pick who it's going to, or you can, well, I guess you can. You can actually leave it to, to a worthwhile, worthwhile Christian cause. But if you'll just use everything you have, now I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your most valuable resource, your time. Are we giving God enough of our time? I would would be willing to say that we would begin to see major, major changes in all the churches if all Christians would just tithe their time. That means 10% of your time. Give it to God. Some form or fashion, whether it's prayer, word study, uh, helping others. 24 hours in a day. How many of those hours are we awake? 16. Some of us don't, don't sleep that much. I, I try to get my eight hours. So if I, if I just make sure I give God one hour and a little... What would that be? 16 hours? Man, I had to pick a hard number. What's 10% of 16 an hour? and A little over an hour and a half. But you know me, I don't settle for 10% on my giving, so I, I'm going to round that up to two to make it easy. If every Christian would just give God two dedicated hours per day of their waking time. Two hours a day. Some people say, well, I live my life for God all the time. We're supposed to. But I'm saying, two hours of your day, you focus on either studying the Word, uh, encouraging others, doing something to do God's work. Two hours a day. Imagine if the entire church, universal, all people were giving God at least two hours a day. Some of you say I already do. That's great. Keep stretching yourself. Give more. Give more of your time. You, I'm not just talking about your time. I'm talking about your gifts and your talents. Some of you folks have great gifts and great talents God's given you. Some of you are still searching to see what they are. Keep digging in the word. Keep coming to Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday, Sunday night when we get them going again, Wednesday night services, Bible studies. Keep digging in and keep studying. God's going to reveal to you. I guarantee you, some of you right now, even God's probably already dealing with you on some stuff that you could do better. Some of you, you feel like God's nagging you to do something. Well, quit taking it as nagging. Follow in obedience. And God will begin to bless you instead of you feeling bad. Some of you, part of your past uh, that needs healed is the fact that you know you're not walking in God's perfect will and He's been asking you to. Deal with some things or do some things and you haven't done that. And so you've not got real peace in your past and you're not able to move forward in your future because you're not using the gifts and talents God gives you to use. And I'm not just talking to the people that's sitting in this room today. And many of you, you have found that. Many of you are walking in your gifts and talents. I'm not trying to be critical with you today. I'm trying to share that if we will fall in line with this thing, God can do that new thing He's promised to do. But it takes everybody working together because the church is one body. And you know, i preached on that before and probably preach on it again. But if we work in unity and everyone is giving their best to God and everyone's being good stewards of their resources and everyone deals with their past and gets healed of their past and moves on in the future, praise God, we are going to go forward. We're going to have a great 2021. Because we're not going to take that old baggage from last year. I quit making resolutions to lose weight. Because it don't happen. Because I like to eat too much. I need to make a resolution to put the fork down quicker. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Those ten resolutions. Let me refer back to those a little bit. Those are all related to being good stewards over your life. Lose weight. Manage your debt, save money, get physically fit, eat healthy, learn something new, quit some bad habits, uh, reduce stress, do some things, knock some things off your bucket list, in other words, and get involved helping others, which I told you should be. Those are all attainable through good stewardship. All of those resolutions can become more than resolutions. They can become part of that revolution. I said we need to start where we're walking in obedience and doing all things for God. If we'll get in line and everyone steward their gifts, their talents. Now why is it important? Some of those things about losing weight and getting physically fit. Our body, just like all of our stuff, is not our own either. This is God's. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be taking care of our physical bodies. If you know that you have a health condition that says you ain't supposed to eat chocolate or sugar, and you keep eating chocolate or sugar, are you being a good steward of your body? If you know, oh, I'm preaching to me now. If you know you don't put the fork down quick enough, I'm preaching to me. I said I would never preach on gluttony. I'm preaching to me now. If you know that you've got a problem eating too much and you don't deal with it, You're not being a good steward of your body. We all know that we need a little bit of physical activity. Man, I'm preaching to me too. We need to get up off our couches a little more and do a little more physical activity. I'm not telling you you all need to go buy a gym membership. I'm saying we need to steward our bodies, which is what holds our spirit, which is what leads us to do God's work on this earth, Folks, I promise this is as close as I get to preaching against gluttony. But I'm telling you, some of us, if we would get this, we, we are being poor stewards over our greatest resource God gave us, our lives, our bodies. Most of those resolutions have to do with healthier lifestyles that people make every year. If we would learn to be better stewards over our bodies, what we put in them, how we work them, how we exercise them, how we take care of them. In essence, we're being better stewards of what God has given us to do on this earth. We're being better, better stewards of our time because we don't have to spend a bunch of time being sick. We don't have to spend a bunch of time being uh, in doctor's appointments and having procedures done and things like that. I'm not saying sickness won't come. We live in a nasty world. There's sickness all around. Yes, we may still get sick. But we stand a better chance of of running a longer race and a more successful race if we take better care of our bodies. Amen? So besides being stewards over your finances, you need to be stewards over the greatest thing God ever gave you in your life. Be better stewards over your body, stewards over your time. Folks, I want to see 2021 take off. I want to see us in 2021. I want to see us all walking in joy. I want to see us all walking in victory. I don't want to bring any of the pain from 2020 and earlier into 2021 with me. If there's anything that the Lord brings to my mind of something in my past I need to deal with, I'm going to deal with it. And a lot of times you don't realize it because we're good at suppressing things. And this year I want to challenge you as as we're living and we're seeking to move forward and not slip backwards and we're seeking to, to, to walk in victory, we're seeking to walk in obedience to God, we're seeking to have the best year we can have as individuals and collectively as a church. As we're doing that, if God brings something up in your conscience or you remember something that you haven't dealt with, deal with it. And the biggest way you deal with it is you let God have it and let Him take care of it. If you've got problems and hang-ups, you got to give them to God and let Him take care of it. If 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 you're like me and you need to eat less, you gotta you gotta seek
1: God's help with it. We ain't chocoholics in here, man. I'm I'm just at it. People said I was preaching good.
0: I'm fixing to start meddling. It's a proven fact, and there's been several, people, several cases to document this, but I saw one firsthand. I lost my grandmother at a very early age. She, she was just 76, and to me that was early. She loved chocolate. She loved Pepsi-Cola. The two of them together is deadly. Did y'all know that? You drink lots of carbonated beverages like Pepsi or Coke, and you eat lots of chocolate with it, it does the same thing to your insides, and your liver looks like that of someone who's a heavy drinker. It does the same damage that that alcoholism does to to a body. Chocolate and Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola mixed together. Some of y'all may be doing that. It's killing you. I'm not telling you don't ever have a candy bar or ever have a Coke. That's not what I'm telling you. There's There's a word out there, a beautiful word called moderation which means maybe you can enjoy it more moderately. But my, my grandmother, that was her weakness. She, every day, she's drinking two or three Cokes and eating a couple or three candy bars every day, together. The doctor, when he looked at her liver, said, man, she must have been drinking hard and heavy for many years. And they all laughed because she never let one drop of alcohol into her body. Some of us, if you're doing that deadly combination, you may be young now and not feeling it. But as you grow older, it does the damage to your body. Just saying, that's, that's free. I'm not going to give you a $200 doctor bill for that health tip. Folks, this next year, I want to see us move forward. I want to see each and every one of you reach your full potential. I want to see me reach my full potential. I want to see us make a difference in this community we're in. We need to be healthy. We need to be focused. We need to get all the cobwebs out of our minds and get spiritually focused. We need to be in God's Word more. We need to be focused on seeking His will and purpose for our life, developing our gifts. And some of y'all know God's nagging at you, so to speak. You feel like God's nagging. God told me to say, someone feels like God's nagging. And I don't know who that is, but God's nagging somebody. They feel like He's nagging because He's trying to get them to move forward and be all they can be in what He has given them the talent to do, and they're sitting on that talent. I don't know who that is, but God said there's someone like that in this room today that's going to hear this message. You feel like God's nagging. God's not nagging you. God's trying to move you forward in what He's doing. The nagging as you are taking it will go away as you begin to walk in obedience and begin to let God use you in that gift. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for this message. Lord, I thank You for the optimistic state of mind that You've given me for 2021. Lord, I thank You for the promise that if we walk in obedience, that the blessings will overpour that we can't even contain them. If we walk in, in obedience with our gifts, our talents, our finances, our possessions, our time, Lord, as we are good stewards and as we let the past go and we make peace with our past, Lord, I thank You that You begin to open that bright new future for us as we deal with maybe sometimes what could be painful past. Oh Lord, we thank You for Your Word and I thank You, Lord, for this message that I've given You this morning. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here today who don't know You, who hasn't taken that first and most critical step of confessing You as Lord and Savior of their life so that they can move forward in newness, I pray that today will be that day. That they're ready to do that. That they're ready to let go of their past. They're ready to make peace with their past. They're ready to move on with their future. And they want their future to include a relationship with You. I pray that happens today and those that have those nagging feelings at them that you're trying to that you're bugging them about something that they realize that you're not nagging them that you're trying to move them forward that you're trying to move them into their destiny and move them into their greatest moment and their greatest future with you and to so that they're walking in perfect obedience walking in your perfect will oh lord i pray that these words have sunk deep into
1: folks' heart today.